0: Welcome to Title Talk, a podcast for real estate investors where we cover tips, tricks, and trends in the industry.
1: This podcast is all about providing valuable insights to help you maximize your investment opportunities.
0: Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Title Talk is the place to stay in the know and get inspired.
1: So grab your headphones, tune in, and let's talk title.
0: Welcome to Title Talk, I am Jamil Damji.
1: And I am Dina Jones.
0: This is a real estate investor podcast and we are gonna be talking about all of the different ways that we as real estate investors can leverage our title companies, also different ways that we are investing, ways that we are finding deals, how we can work with specific vendors in the industry, and best practices. Dina, how are you? I'm
1: good, how are you my friend? I'm so
0: good. Man, First, I think you know people are going to be like, "Whoa, who, who's Jamil hanging out with? Who's who's this Dina lady?" Well, guys, let me tell you. First and foremost, Dina Jones is a dear friend of mine. I've known for near a decade here in Phoenix, Arizona. She is at Fidelity Title, but you know, when I first met you, you. What what was the what was the first job that you had at Fidelity when I first met you? By the way,
1: I was <clears throat> hired as a sales executive. Sales executive. Yeah, okay, so in my Tempe office, the big blue building.
0: Yes, on yes. The water. Yes, mm-hmm. nice place to go work every day. Yeah. And your job was to court investors, like find investors who are doing business and have them come and direct their files to Fidelity Title. Yes. And and you did a great job, by the way, because you, you found all of the heavy hitters. You still work with every one of them that I know and after many years of me trying every title company, cause it, this is one of the things, right? You, you go through this learning curve as a real estate investor, where you, you try everybody. And it's interesting, especially in the title world, because you know, and you're not supposed to talk about this but you're like who's gonna give me tickets to football games or who's gonna you know if, where who's gonna have the best um the best uh uh meet investor meet and greets with the with the open bars and it's really weird like it's kind of interesting how that all works um i never cared about that right i i it was because i because i was like listen i can buy my own football tickets i don't no don't care so much about the open bar like free dinner kinds of things i was always just trying to get more out of my title company and it's not that fidelity title doesn't want to give you more in fact you guys you guys go above and beyond on the different ways that you'll work with investors i just had to see what was available
1: sometimes you just got to see what else is out there yes totally fair and you never know what you have until you sometimes know
0: yeah, till you stray and uh-huh. you go and you and you, you yeah you, you date <laughs> them all and then you're like oh man yeah I think what I had at home was best but it just uh, fair to say guys after you know a decade of of near decade of knowing Dina I have brought all of our business at Keegley back to Fidelity Title uh, we've been working with them exclusively for the last little while and it's fantastic we really enjoy our relationship with with Fidelity for a number of reasons right you you have to be very aware of the different ways that a title company can blow a deal up for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that today <laughs> <Okay. clears throat> because because I've had this happen to me, right? And and a lot of the Astro Flipping community members, for those of you that aren't aware, I run the nation's largest community of wholesalers called Astro Flipping. If you want to know more about it, somewhere in the description, you can click it and f- learn about it. But um, as wholesalers, because you know what we do is we contract property, uh, we, we put it under equitable interest. So we get our right to buy the property and then we sell our rights to buy that contract. And that mechanism of understanding what we as wholesalers do is really important because I think that's where you hear these, you know, stories where a, an investor will go to a title company and say, Hey, do you, do you do assignments or do you do double escrows? And then they'll say that's illegal.
1: Yeah, I've heard that before.
0: So so where does that come from, by the way? Tell, t- why does a title company ever say or that's illegal?
1: I don't know why they would say it's, that that's illegal, but I can tell you I've heard it before. Um, I remember when I was brand new, we were working with an investor, and it was a brand new investor, and they did this thing that I thought was absolutely crazy, is they came to the closing with the seller, and they didn't disclose that there was a $50,000 assignment fee on the deal. Mm-hmm. And the seller had no idea and they were very unhappy. So that's one of those things where they would have probably done a double escrow. Right. Because they didn't feel comfortable disclosing exactly what they had done. Right. Right. Right.
0: Right. And and for those of you that aren't aware of the differences and the nuances. So as, a, as wholesalers, right, if you're going to do an assignment, then your assignment fee will actually show up on a HUD. But you can get into things like blind HUDs or (laughs) seller-side HUDs and buyer-side HUDs, and that's ways that you can split a HUD where a seller can only see their side of a HUD and a buyer can only see their side of a HUD. There's so many ways to do this business, and there's so many ways to get around having to disclose. I'm of the opinion that disclosures are important, and as wholesalers, we shouldn't really feel weird about what we do as a business it's it's,
1: because you're still offering a solution always it works for somebody always and that should be okay Uh,
0: yes if somebody agrees to sell me their house for x and then if i'm able to sell that house for x plus five well the plus five is my business absolutely right the x was your business this is where you said you were okay doing a deal yes and that to me is the that's business in general right if you look at any any business model for that matter there's a wholesale step up, right? You go to look at the burger industry, for instance, right? You don't, there's not a farm growing Big
1: Macs. (laughs) No, not the one I've heard of. No, there's no, there's no
0: farm growing Big Macs. You know, I've never had a Big Mac. You get out of here. Serious. All right. Next episode, guys, we're going to have Big Macs on the, are you going to eat one? Are you vegan Uh, or something?
1: I've just never eaten meat.
0: At all? Seriously. Any meat? No meat. Oh, I can't make you eat a Big Mac. That would ju- I'd get I'd get i get canceled for making a so are you vegetarian or something?
1: Uh, I'll eat fish, but yeah, it's just kind of a fun fact.
0: Okay. Fun fact. Yeah. what about a filet of fish?
1: No, not really into the McDonald's thing. Sorry for getting sponsored by
0: now. No, no, no. It's it's okay. Wow, I didn't I didn't I I feel different about you all of a sudden. Cause a Big Mac is, is like it's like comfort food for me. And I know it's like what was it? I was who was I sitting with It's oh Bobby. I was sitting with Bobby. We were in Colorado and we had had too much to drink the night before. And the next day I said, you know what? I feel like a Big Mac. And then he's like, yeah, I could get down with that. And then as we sat down, we started eating. And then in the middle of eating, he said, you want to know how I feel about this? I said, what? He's like, this is all poison. Everything in here is poison. This is just poison in a box, but it's good poison. And I'm like, okay. I don't feel that way about Big Macs or McDonald's. I feel like
1: There's a movie about that though. Isn't there a movie about like exposing what happens when you eat too much of uh, one thing like yeah the- yeah yeah
0: it's it yeah i think it was it was it was yeah i think supersized meat yeah, or something like that meat. yeah yes. yeah and they had they they showed how a, a fry had or like, they like preserved a cheeseburger for a whole decade anyways they don't have a farm growing big macs right <laughs> correct but in that at that farm they grow potatoes they raise cattle they have you know they they grow lettuce all the little things that go into a big mac and then everything is worth less money in its natural state or its original form right so the cow where the chuck comes from for the beef you know that's that's slaughtered processed packaged transportated trans transported um and then you know reprocessed like there's so many there's so many step ups in it every little step up there's more value added to the hamburger or to the to the cow or to the the patty and the same thing happens in wholesale right we take raw materials and i look at uh, a house that is overgrown um overgrown lawn completely dim- like just just wrecked a wrecked house as like raw material and for the most part these houses can't be lived in they can't be financed they're a blight on the neighborhood, you know, there's drug use, there's all kinds of terrible things going on in there. And it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous for these homes to sit and they, they lower property value. It just, it is what it is. All of a sudden wholesaler comes contracts, the house sells that contract to somebody else. And then they are trying to close the deal. And they, they, they find a title officer who says, this is illegal. You can't do this. And it's not illegal, guys. It's very legal and it's very okay. It's business. This is this happens everywhere. In fact, nationally, a publicly traded national home builders wholesale. I've been in a deal with DR Horton where they wholesaled a portion of land that I had sold to them, and they were very okay with it. Like they they didn't feel like there was anything wrong and they didn't apologize to me. They didn't even disclose to me that they were gonna wholesale it. They just did it. And how did they how did they initially disclose that they were gonna do it? Well, their contract said and or a signee and or assignee is disclosure that you are, you could possibly assign the contract. Yep. That's it. That is the disclosure in itself. And
1: that's on most builder contracts, isn't it? It's on
0: every builder contract. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about business and I learned a lot about how it works. And, and, you know, it's interesting is that when a, when a, when a small, when a small guy like Jamil is running around putting houses under contract and selling those contracts, it's like, that's a hustler. When, a When a nationally or a publicly traded national home builder does it it's called business so i want to kind of demystify this and because of course fidelity title you're in the you're in the business of of title you're in the business of of helping investors do business and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it should as long as everything is done correctly
1: yes that's correct
0: right so so as a as a title company what are some of the transaction types that make you fearful
1: well um i think that sometimes the wraps can get a little tricky mm. um i know they're coming back um and that's but, definitely something that we still can do it's just everything has to be
0: yeah so for those kind of you that careful. don't know what she's talking about uh wraps are a specific type of sandwich where you <laughs> ha- just kidding it's no for vegetarians <clears throat> like yes for, veg- for people who don't eat big macs wraps are where you take a property that has a more or already has a mortgage on it and you, or it doesn't even need to have a mortgage on it or it does have a mortgage on it. it doesn't need to have a mortgage on it.
1: I don't, what do you mean? You, does it need to? Yeah. Cause you're
0: wrapping a new mortgage around an already existing mortgage. Or yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a current mortgage. Yes. The so, yeah, so you're taking a property that's subject to, so if you take a property subject to, and if you want to resell that, you resell it on a wrap. So you wrap around a new mortgage on a property that you've taken over sub two, right? So um, they're complex, but they're very legal, and mm-hmm. and they allow for people who couldn't normally qualify on their own to get into a, a house, right? So fidelity title does wraps, correct? And can now, you guys? I don't know
1: if they do them everywhere, but we do them here. Okay, so I can't speak for every other state and every other yeah. operation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there any specific things that that investors need to understand when they're when they're trying to sell a property on the wrap? Is there? Do they need to are there any laws, any like Dodd Frank things that they need to look at or things that they need to be concerned about when they're selling a house on a wrap?
1: I think the biggest thing is if you know that that's the situation that you're in is to have the conversation with the escrow officer early in the process so that they can kind of walk you down the path of the specifics and we can even get into some of that with maybe one of your specific
0: deals. Oh, guys, if Ooh. you have I'm I'm actually excited about this because one of the one of the key problems that new investors have is not understanding contracts so guys what you're going to hear on this show and the reason why we're doing this show is so that you we can really just democratize this whole concept of of contracts and and the different instruments that we use to conduct business because i think one of the scariest part about being an investor a wholesaler a creative finance um, uh, investor is just not knowing what the documents are and what to do with those documents, right? And and getting it wrong. Because if you get the document wrong, then you could lose money or you could yeah. get sued, right? I've been sued in a wholesale deal before. It's happened, it sucks. And uh, how do you avoid that? How do you protect yourself? And how do you keep yourself in the best situation possible? And part of what your title company's job is to keep you safe because they need to keep themselves safe, right? Yeah. That's the the whole purpose of their job is to remain a third party which they always will be but they want to make sure that everything in the transaction is happening according to the contract right so their their job is to to enforce the contract and to make sure that it is everything that's happening is is by the state's laws and and making sure that it's all above board right is there anything else that a title company needs to pay attention to or is it is is employed to do other than that
1: I mean, technically, we're the neutral third party, and they're just following the letter of the contract specifically to execute. Um, and then, obviously, the title insurance piece is important. Okay, so, so we have to make sure the deal is insurable.
0: Right, and uh, let's talk a little bit about that because, like, title <laughs> insurance is. It feels like here. Here's how I I've heard the title insurance described before. It. I'm I'm happy that you're here, so you can hear this. And if 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 it's rude you can slap me. So if (laughs) he's
1: going to say, do I need it?
0: Well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. (laughs) So title insurance, title insurance is like you go to the grocery store and the person at the checkout rings you up and then they put all the groceries in a bag and then on your way out the door, the general manager of the grocery store comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, um, you have to buy insurance to make sure that the, the lady who checked you out did all the work right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's your lady. He's like, yeah, but you still need insurance to make sure she did the work right. Because if you, she didn't do the work right and you walk out of here with something that you didn't pay for, you might go to jail. Jail? Well, or get yeah. in trouble. <laughs>
1: Or have to pay. Or have to
0: pay. But is that, would you, would you, would you say that title insurance is kind of like that?
1: No. Because there's, <laughs> so there, there's all kinds of things that can okay. happen that okay. aren't always discovered. True. You know, that somebody could, after the fact, do something crazy.
0: Okay. So, so it's not about just the, the escrow officer or the title officer no. doing their job right. It's there's shady characters out there. There's people who do crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, you're dealing with one right now.
0: Yes, I'm dealing with one. Actually, I've been in the the middle of a bunch where I bought a house where I thought I was dealing with a seller um, who owned the property. And then it turns out they don't own the property and they sold a property that they didn't own. And then the actual seller of the, the actual owner of the property comes back to town, you know, a year later and and someone's living in it. And they're like, what the hell happened in my house? (laughs) And you're like, well, this house was bought and sold and renovated and then resold and now these now this family lives in it and this these other people are like yeah but this is my vacation house like what the hell is going on and so the title insurance had to unwind that entire that entire situation right and that's why having title insurance is really important because it protect it protected everybody, everybody yep. in that uh circumstance another a situation that's happened before where um we had uh another another shady character um, intercept money in the middle of a transaction wire and fraud. wire fraud, and mm-hmm. then the title company helped us get the money back, and that was very helpful and awesome. Uh, but guys, property fraud and 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 fraud in general is rampant. It's very rampant in in real estate business and transactions, and so having title insurance protects you there. What what else would you say? Prop um, title insurance is good for.
1: Well, I think, you know, every state, it's always going to vary too. So the kind of policies that you can have are also going to vary. I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things, like if there's something that might have happened way back when that was not discovered on the original chain of title, it protects you from being able to sell the home again, Mm. right? So if you ever want to go to sell the house, I mean, you have to make sure that if something did happen, that you've got protection so that you can actually go to sell it if you want to move.
0: Right. Right. So the title, the title policy is what gives us, cause you guys are basically taking the liability correct? and saying like, Hey, if something happens, we'll pay the claim.
1: Right. And we pay claims often because it's just part of the business.
0: Right. So yes, title policies can be expensive, but when you think about being the insurer in that they're like she said, there's the title policies are, are paid out all the time. And so, You know, they're like, what do you guys bat? Like 95%, nothing happens?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know that percentage, but I know we pay a lot of claims and I know we've got uh, very high claims reserves as well.
0: Wow, okay. And that that would just be Fidelity title, not not all title companies. Oh no,
1: absolutely not. I mean, there's definitely some situations I've heard of even for some friends recently where their title company they were closing with um, didn't have any reserves to pay the claims. And that's when they have to go back to the investors and do cash calls and all kinds of other crazy things. So... Yeah, not not all title companies have uh, reserves.
0: Wow, I didn't know that. It's like
1: not every you know person you know has money in their savings account,
0: right? But it's like an insurance. they driving,
1: ma- driving a Maserati.
0: You feel like an insurance company should have <laughs> reserves to pay a claim, yeah, but it's do. not necessary. Mm-hmm. So you don't need. To, I so no, I could you be. Should I yeah. mean
1: they should because if claims come in, they need to figure out a way to pay them, but yeah. they just don't all budget for that.
0: They don't all budget for that. <laughs> well, uh, that's 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 great. So, um this has all been this has been fun, but I wanted to get into a little bit of the like nitty-gritty of title because there's some things that investors need to know when they are doing business with different title companies on how they can a make sure that they've got a good relationship with their title company, right? So, I've got this idea for a section of the show where I want to call it title turn-ons and turn-offs. Yeah. So we're going to (laughs) get we're going to get real, real gritty with it here, guys. We're we're going to we're going to turn this into the steamy section. So, Dina, what are some of title? What is a title company's number one turn on?
1: Loyalty with our partnerships for loyalty. Sure. Okay. Yes, I think that's definitely up there. So
0: so when I when I left Fidelity and went around town and dated every title company, I was I was turned I turned you guys off. Yeah,
1: we were still friends. <laughs> we still stayed
0: friends. <laughs> we still stayed friends. <clears throat> but but yes, loyalty I You had to
1: learn a lesson and eventually always. you'd come back home.
0: <clears throat> you do. You do. <laughs> but loyalty is number 1. What what about what about the next thing?
1: I mean, just people that do good business and that they're good communicators and uh, that they're respectful. I can tell you that it's definitely a challenge when uh, somebody's coming to sign that the seller that's irate, that there's a hundred thousand dollar assignment fee and they had no idea about it. And the escrow officer is the one that's got to tell them
0: that's right. a turnoff. That's a turnoff. So non-disclosure or yeah. or not knowing the correct documents, because you look, if you have a if you're making a hundred thousand dollar profit on a property, you don't have to necessarily disclose that to a seller you can just do it what's called a double escrow where you just take title to the property and then resell the property and you can do that all within the same basic transaction well it's not the same transaction but within the same time frame like it's a it's a flow through transaction where the funds from your buyer will actually pay for the funds for you to close your ab contract and it's something that we can do here in Arizona where I can actually buy and sell a house without ever having to come to the title company with any of my own money. How magical is that? It's
1: pretty magical.
0: And then I get to leave with a check. (laughs) Yep. And nobody's mad.
1: Nope.
0: Seller's not mad, title company's not mad. Everybody's happy because everybody got what they wanted.
1: And we love it when everybody's happy, don't
0: we? Would you say that double escrows are preferred on high assignment fees or or high margin wholesale deals?
1: Yes, I think that that's definitely what most people prefer.
0: What what profit margin would you say it makes sense to to swap from an assignment to a double close?
1: Anything you're not comfortable with, right? So I think assignment fees in our market today, they vary. I mean, I've seen some deals where people are just like, they, they're they happy to break even because they promised that they were going to close on the deal and some things happen and they're not making as much as they can. Sure. Um, you know, some people are happy with 1500 Dollars right now because they're still getting a deal done. I'd say five to ten thousand is probably about average right now yep. for assignment fees. Would you think it's any? Different? Yeah,
0: we're about we're about ten ten thousand on average for a, an assignment fee, and I never have any problems with those. I don't have. I, I, listen, even if I'm making twenty thousand on a deal, I don't necessarily feel like I have a problem with it. You know, no. uh, but I feel like if I'm making more than twenty thousand dollars in a deal, I, I should probably take title to the house and resell it.
1: Yeah. We've got one closing on Monday, actually. I was talking to uh, the investor on my way over here, and uh, absolutely kosher.
0: What's the profit margin there? 20000 20000 mm-hmm. Is that one of my deals? No. Okay.
1: No. What is a $200,000 house? That's great. So that's pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> that's great. Yeah. So I want to know, Yep. and maybe our listeners want to know. How did you get into this business?
0: Man, it was funny. So, I got into wholesale honestly accidentally. So I I, I started I don't wholesaling in accidents. No, it's not it wasn't <laughs> accidental. It, it this serendipitously, I should say. I got into wholesale walking my dog in Canada. That's how I that's how I did my first wholesale deal. I I was in the media business, so I was basically convincing businesses that this thing called the internet was a real thing and they should stop dumping money into the phone book into yellow pages for advertising and they should buy a website because their company eventually will be found online and people will go to this machine called google and they will they will look for your company there and you know it was a it was a tough sell but i did really well at it i i I actually sold so many websites that i my company out of business because we actually lost a hundred dollars on every website that we built wow
1: bad company bad, bad business model bad business <laughs> you're model paid, you're paid to sell websites that lose money that lose money that yeah It doesn't make sense well we
0: just it was a new company and you know budding entrepreneurs who didn't quite understand their their model quite well and all their costs okay. so the other side of that was it put me in proximity to my business partner who is a bad business guy by the way because he's the one who said we should sell 600 hundred dollar websites that cost us 700 bucks but anyways he was also a property developer with his father he was a you know young guy and his dad would take these old bungalows and demolish them and then build these luxury duplexes in their place and what they needed to do more of these projects were these 50 foot lots zoned r2 that they could do more projects on and you know, I'm, I'm sitting there listening and they, they were talking about making 160 grand on this deal. And I thought, man, if I could only make money like this, this you know, would be life changing. So I tried to ask what I could do to get involved. And they were just completely dismissive. They said, there's nothing I could do. And then finally, I heard them say, well, you know, we do need more houses. And so the next day, mocking my dog, I walked by this house that I had tried to rent three months earlier, but it was $200 out of my budget and it's, it was still for rent. So I called the lady and I asked if she'd be interested in selling the house instead of renting it, because she obviously wasn't successful renting it. And her answer was, "Sure, if it was the right price." So I asked what that price was, and she said three hundred and fifty thousand.
1: Like everything's always for sale for the right price. Yeah, right, right,
0: right. So I run to the office and I asked my business partner and his dad how much they'll pay for this house, and they said four hundred thousand. So now I have a fifty thousand dollar problem to solve. So I spent the rest of the day. Trying to figure out how i could raise three hundred and fifty thousand, nobody wanted to give me any money i didn't have any family that wanted to give me any money you know we're, we were poor right so like there was just no access the next thing i did then was what i knew how to do was start calling in the yellow pages because that's what i did for my job and i went down and i called attorneys and i got all the way to the letter s because this this lawyer you started at a i started at a okay
1: a b c yeah all the, the way, all the way to, s. to s okay
0: and david steed was his name david steed he is disbarred now. Um, David Steed, sorry, David Steed. I would have made him so rich because I've said his name like hundreds of times on podcasts and I'm sure people have looked him up and found that he's disbarred. I don't know why he was disbarred, but too bad. Um, David Steed, he told me what this magical thing called wholesale was. He said, you can buy a house and sell a house using two contracts without ever needing to buy the house. Mic drop. Yeah, and so that's how I got into it. Yeah. How
1: many years ago was that?
0: Over twenty. No. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. And how many transactions do you think you've done in the last twenty years?
0: Well, in at Key Glee, it's over six thousand. But in the last twenty years, I don't know, seventy five hundred. Hmm. Yeah. A few. A few. Yeah. Lots of deals, lots of <laughs> lots deals, of, more deals than I know anybody else has done. I, you know, I, I can say that I've, I've been very fortunate to um, have been around some incredible people that taught me a lot. You know, Chris Simon being one of them, he's a mutual friend of ours. And when I came to Phoenix, Chris was one of the first people that I started doing business with. And I credit to, I credit him to a lot of the things that I was able to really understand about this whole model of, of wholesale. And, and dispositions for that matter, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, Chris is a dispositions guy and he 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 took the approach of, okay, why don't I build a buyer's list? And instead of being the wholesaler that's out there like running around trying to put people under contract, why don't I take care of the selling those contracts? Because, you know, the fact is, is that for the most part, a lot of wholesalers, there was this epidemic of wholesaling where people would just go and, and lock people up in contracts, but then never close.
1: Right, we also, by the way, title turn off somebody that can't close most of the time.
0: Right, so, okay, let's talk about that, right? So that's a turn off. So how many wholesale contracts do you say cancel because they, they don't have a buyer?
1: Well, I mean, I think it, it, it depends. Uh, a lot of times, you know, like with your group, for example, I mean, we. We'll open the escrow at the front end, but we won't necessarily pull prelim until you're ready to assign it, right? right. So those don't technically go against the cancellation rate, but we learned that the hard time, well, the hard way, because I think it was canceling like ninety percent way back in the day, right? Right. Right. And now, I mean, we're closing at least seventy yeah, percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's so think about that, guys. Ninety percent possible, like possible cancellation rates. Like that's a, a lot of houses to cancel in the beginning. But what she's saying when she says. You know don't have your title company pull a prelim it's like what that means is there's costs incurred at a title company and pulling a preliminary title report which is what a prelim is that's the document that they spend money on to tell them all of the encumbrances on a title that's going to tell them mortgages liens judgments any other clouds that might be there um and and or any other uh recordings like utility rights of way or, or um, ccnr's anything that is going to be pertinent to the title of that property right and right. so what does that typically cost a title company to pull
1: i think it's about 500 dollars.
0: wow okay yeah. so so think about that right you go and you open up escrow at a title company and they pull a title report and you cancel 500 bucks cost eaten by the title company and then they, you don't get that back because title companies only get paid when the deal closes so you guys are outlaying money yeah, on we're the front still paying
1: end for the service because they did their job regardless of the closing
0: how often do you think that continues to happen like do you have new wholesalers that come in and don't n- understand that and then cost you guys money
1: you know I, I we try to set it up right at the beginning and educate you know the new wholesalers about hey by the way we're going to give your seller security and we're going to open the file but we're not going to start working on it until you're ready to assign it and it's just a fluid conversation
0: awesome and are there any issues that you think the buyer or the seller need to need to think about when that happens to say is that can that slow a pr- transaction down or cause any issues
1: I mean, it definitely, it takes time to pull a prelim, absolutely. But usually you have time to close the escrow and plenty of that written into the assignment. And the seller is not, you know, usually it's flexible closings too for the closing dates.
0: Got it, got it. So another thing that I've noticed here in Arizona is disclosures, right? We have a new disclosure law here. Where we are required to disclose if we're going to wholesale a contract, and so one of the things that Which I write—it's new. <clears throat> new—but yeah. one of the disclosures that I write on my contracts is: Buyer is an LLC in the business of purchasing real estate for a profit. Buyer may exercise any number of exit strategies, inclusive or not limited to fix and flip, buying to hold, and or wholesale. Nugget. This will be determined during the inspection period and is at buyer's sole discretion.
1: That is gold.
0: Right? Gold. One of the most amazing disclosure lines ever written in the history of wholesale. But why do it why does it written that way? Because it says, look, I'm an investor. Wholesale is an exit strategy. I may wholesale. I may fix and flip. I may buy and hold. Not your business. I'm an LLC in the business of buying real estate for a profit. I'm telling you my intention in the contract. I'm telling you exactly what I might do. I might fix and flip this. I might buy and hold this. I might wholesale it. I'm doing something to make money. Don't think that I just bought your house because I like your wallpaper.
1: Do you like wallpaper?
0: I mean, I haven't used wallpaper in a long time, but I do like wallpaper. I've, I like wallpaper now. Well, there's I, some cool stuff. There's some really about, cool yeah. wall, wallpaper mm-hmm. these days, for sure. Um, but yes, that disclosure is super important, right? So what happens now if you have a contract from a wholesaler that doesn't have that disclosure? Do you have them go and write it in or, um, or do you guys not say anything? Or does, is a, seller, a seller can cancel a contract if that, dis, if that disclosure is not in there, correct?
1: a seller does have the right to cancel the contract if they do not have the disclosure. But what isn't clear yet um, is who is supposed to be policing whether it's an investment transaction or not. So the burden of that doesn't necessarily fall on the title company.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so interesting.
1: But it could eventually, you know, we just don't really, that's the part that's a little um, gray still.
0: Got it. I would imagine it should be the title company because They do call them escrow officers.
1: (laughs) Officer? They're not an officer. Aren't they escrow officers? Yeah, they are escrow officers. (sighs) So
0: then they they should be policing, right?
1: Well, I don't know because it's not, they're not necessarily going to know the intent if it's not disclosed.
0: Can an escrow officer arrest you?
1: No. I don't know, unless they were a police officer on the side, maybe. Do
0: escrow officers have badges? No. Okay.
1: Not that I'm aware of, but I... (laughs) I did hear the CFPB, um, the one that's in charge of that, carries a gun.
0: Really? Yeah. But that's only here in Arizona.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but
0: the so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the crossing guard carries a gun here, <laughs> so I don't I don't know if that really matters. Do you Carry a gun? I don't carry a gun. No, I have guns, but I don't carry one. I'm I you know I I have no I'm a I'm a I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment. I just don't exercise my. I don't exercise the right because I'm a peaceful guy and I feel like if I walk around with a gun, then a gun will find me.
1: You are a peaceful guy. Mm -hmm. How many times have you meditated today, my friend?
0: None. I've been writing a book. And And, so, and you're finished. And I'm finished. So I'll meditate afterwards. But writing a book is meditative, I have to say. It's like, because you're like bored.
1: By the way, I'm super proud of you. So you are writing the first ever. Book on wholesaling for bigger pockets. Correct, and it just got finished.
0: Just got finished, first draft today. Yes, It's amazing. Uh, I think two hundred and seventy pages. I wrote every word.
1: You did. You didn't use ChatGPT.
0: I did not use ChatGPT. <laughs> no, I did. I did use. I did have somebody type for me, and I did have somebody help me. Like just like as I would spitball sentences, and then we would work through them together. But most times, investors are like people in my position, influencers or whatever you want to call me. Uh, we would write use ghost writers. It's a natural, yes. you know what? I even found out that Robert Kiyosaki didn't write rich dad, poor dad. What? Yeah. Huh. Someone else did. I know. Right. Isn't that, isn't that shocking? Isn't that shocking? <clears throat> but he got all the credit for it. Um, but no, I, this, I did not Robert Kiyosaki this book. I wrote it. Wow. So, uh, look out for that. Anyways, no AI? No no, no, no AI. All right. Yeah, no AI. So. Okay. So loyalty is something that turns you guys on. Let's yes. talk about title turn offs. What turns you guys off? What makes the title company pissed off?
1: Oh gosh. Well, I think if they need something from a buyer or a seller or an agent or an investor and they just go totally dark, that's pretty challenging. Ghosting. Ghosting.
0: Ghosting. So you get ghosted by a buyer, a seller, <clears throat> an investor. They just stop answering your calls yes um what else
1: actually funny story about that i was talking to somebody yesterday and they had a deal locked up and literally they just can't close it seller just won't respond
0: do you think that's usually because the seller has sold the house to somebody else
1: i don't know i told him to go knock on the door
0: <clears throat> would you would you recommend recording a memorandum?
1: Uh, I, I think a lot of times people do because they've got equitable interest, right? And uh, I mean, a lot of investors are actually recording their calls now. They're using a recorder when they go in the living room and they're talking to the seller. Um, yeah, yeah. I had a meeting earlier today and they got the call at lunch and the seller just decides they don't want to sell anymore for no reason. Well, we know pretty much that uh, somebody came and offered something higher, but they have everything recorded. So the seller is still going to be obligated to close or pay.
0: Right. Wow. <clears throat> and that's just like, that's just greed. That's just greed getting in the yeah. way of a, of a contract. And look. Well,
1: and honestly, it doesn't even make sense to me because they normally, like somebody goes and offers you hire, they're, they're telling you usually like, oh, I'm already under contract right at this price right right and then they're still trying to offer a higher offer that's not good
0: no there's 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 companies here in phoenix their business model is they'll see a wholesale deal get sent out they'll go knock on the door and then they'll go say hey i'll give you this is what this contract is being sold for right now what did you contract at so you see how much money they're going to make okay great i'm going to give you five thousand dollars more than they gave you let's go and close it today
1: Uh, yes that's happening
0: that's happening right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It's it's and is there anything that can be done to unwind that con- that transaction? Once unwind it's the closed?
1: transaction. I mean, I think that behavior is not good. Personally, I think that uh there's other ways you can find business than uh going behind somebody. Yeah, company.
0: you don't last very long. Yeah. Doing uh, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. There's a blacklist of those people, I think. Yep. We know.
0: Yeah. 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 There's a, a specific individual here in, in town that I think has has run his course and has has basically burnt every bridge and and, you know, relationship possible. But guys, don't do that. That's yeah. shady. And it's not going to get you anywhere. And you're not going to make a lot of friends. Um, we like making friends. Yes. Yes. OK, so ghosting turns you off. What's another yes. thing that that sucks for a title company? Or how 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 else can we lose? Lose you as a as a business partner.
1: I mean, doing beating up our escrow officers like verbally and being very aggressive and things like that. People that are really difficult and hard on them. They've got a hard job, you know, and uh, they've got a lot of files. They've got a lot of clients. They're trying to keep everybody happy. Is that
0: a common thing? People just being abusive?
1: Yes, it's. I wouldn't say it's a very common thing, but it does It does happen.
0: Is it just like a? Is it a? Is it because investors? they have this idea that they're high and mighty because they've, they're they buying houses and they're rich. And so maybe they feel like the escrow officer isn't as high status as them. And so they just come in and, and act disrespectful and rude because they feel, they feel superior.
1: I don't know, but I bet you uh, there might be somebody watching who could answer that question. I've never asked them. Usually we're just like, please be kind. Take the only the right time thing. I think I've
0: ever lost it and I did, didn't lose it at an escrow officer, but I lost it after we hung up the phone, was was a, was a an escrow officer who just kept sending me to voicemail. Like I called and called and called and called and called and called <laughs> and called and called. Because the deal had to close and like I had a seller losing their mind and it was just so much things, sure. so, so many things going on. And that the escrow officer just kept sending me to voicemail over and over again, over and over again. Like, just, you know, it was impossible to get through, right? And so, and I would tell the person at the front desk, like, I'm so sorry, please don't send me to voicemail. I really need, I really need to talk to this person. The seller is about to like lose their cool and this whole deal is going to blow up. They're not going to come and sign. Like, we, I just need to get, you know, so and so on the phone. And then they're like, okay, one moment and then voicemail. And so I I, th- I I do have a recollection of throwing a phone at a wall once when that happened, but I didn't actually lose my cool to the person. I just lost my cool privately.
1: Well, did she ever take your call again?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never knew I threw my phone at the wall. She <laughs> She didn't see that or hear it. I was just I had the whole I had a hole in my wall that I had to deal with and everything everything worked out fine. I think that's the other part of it is that every if you give everything enough time it'll work out fine. Like yes. it nothing's as bad as it as you think it is. But when you're when you're first getting started and like you're just starting to make a little bit of money or you you you're not you're like just getting started and you haven't made a lot of money but you have the potential of making some money you get stressed out. Like you yes. get you get weird. Like money makes you do weird things when you don't have it right right and so i've seen from my own self just aspects of my character that i think could be better or would have been better if i was just as rich as i am now
1: (laughs) we always you know hindsight's twenty twenty. yeah
0: yeah so So to old jamil smarten up oh um
1: do you talk to him much and tell him
0: no he's 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 dumb (laughs) he's dumb he's just you know um okay so advice
1: so, for new new uh investors. I think that's uh that's a good one.
0: Yeah. So advice advice that I would give to a new investor. Yeah. Well, I think <clears throat> first and foremost, it's a relationship game. This is not uh if, if if you're in wholesale or or creative finance or buy and hold and you're in this like thinking you're on an island, you're not gonna last long. It is lonely on an island first and foremost secondly there's no options to collaborate and 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 not realizing how important relationships are you know dina and i were talking earlier today i have uh like i had mentioned uh, his name earlier in the show chris simon he's somebody that i've done business with for a long time and we've our relationships have have had its ups Mm -hmm. and downs like we've had we had times where chris and i weren't the best of friends and there was a little tension, and there's also times where we've we're like very good friends, and even today, we're very we're very kind and 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 like caring of one another. you Yeah, know? you
1: invited him to speak on one of your panels coming. One hundred percent, Yeah, he's
0: well, he's he, look at the end of the day. I can always look back and say who taught me in life, and Chris yes. is one of those people that taught me a lot. So I owe him a lot. I owe him a lot. I owe him gratitude. I owe him respect. And it's, it would be completely, it would be completely wrong of me not to be just humble by how much I learned having him as a friend and, and a business associate. So it's just those things like you, you grow up and you learn and you see, you see all the people that have helped you and you see all the people that have hurt you, yes. you know, and, and, and the ones that have helped you. You love, and even the ones that have hurt me, I love. You have to say
1: thank you because to all of them. You learn. Mm-hmm. You learn from that. Yep. Remember when we did the Randy Rally speaking Yeah, that was pretty fun.
0: Randy Guzman. Yeah, man, what Randy, a guy! <clears throat>
1: yeah, Randy Rally.
0: Can't I? Can't I? Still can't believe he's gone.
1: I can't either, but I think it was eight hours, like a telephone style investor education of all people that you know. Did business with him, wanted to give back to the family. And uh, Chris, uh, that was his idea. He inspired yeah. that whole thing. And I was like, we're going to be on Zoom for eight hours. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> I think you guys raised like 50000 bucks, right?
1: Well, that. And I remember what happened at the end. You guys also decided that anytime you were doing deals together, you were going to donate back d- to the girls. We did. Yeah, we did. Which and is pretty we, special. We
0: sent them. We've, we have sent them some money. And um, we should probably do something again for them pretty soon. I, I still text Jack. Um, uh, I, I actually, I, I think I tested, texted him last week. Oh, I just, I just texted him out of the blue. Learn. He, he takes like a month to respond sometimes. <laughs> so he must be good. He's just like, <laughs> living life. he's just living life, being happy, you know? So, um, and the next piece of advice that I could give to investors, uh, you're not alone on this. This is a relationship business, but I would say, um, honesty, right? When in doubt, be honest, transparent, and disclose you we are being told and taught and oftentimes we create stories in our mind that makes us feel like business is wrong that making money isn't isn't appropriate or that we should hide it and i can't tell you how how far from the truth that is i've done deals with with sellers where i they've known i've made a substantial amount of money on the property and i've been congratulated and cheered for it i've been i've been told you are awesome and good job. Meanwhile, you know, I could have been shady and I could have not said, you know, that I'm I'm intending to make money or that I'm trying to create business here. And I could have had people angry at me. Right, right. Right. And so I think just err on the side of transparency, err, err on the side of honesty. Now again, I'm not sitting here telling you that you've got to you've you've got to say to everybody, my I'm gonna wholesale every house. <laughs> because at the same time, as a real estate investor, you should have multiple tools in your tool belt, right? Don't yes. be a one trick pony. Don't just be, I'm I'm only a wholesaler. I look, I'm a majority wholesaler. Okay. But I still fix and flip. I have a television show on A&E fixing and flipping. I, of course, fix and flip. I buy and hold. I just bought a house down the road that I'm holding for uh, Airbnb. I'm, you know, or in case she kicks me out and I got to go stay in there, you <laughs> She's know, not gonna do never, that. <laughs> but you know, like I've got, but so I have rentals. I've got, i've got wholesales i have all of it right but i'm but i'm majority wholesale it's not anybody's business for me to say i'm going to wholesale this house i I just disclosed that i could do any of one of these three things and one of these things might one of these three things might happen in the per, in the in the course of this contract and
1: doesn't that make you feel like you can go to bed at night and sleep peacefully because you did the right thing
0: Always. Yeah. Always. There's, this business is not about ripping off grandma. This business is about helping grandma get as much money as possible for her house in its current condition. I think this is the last piece that I want to, I want to, I want to offer to wholesalers and people in this business in general. We don't steal equity. Okay. Getting a deal isn't stealing equity. Um, Getting a deal is finding an opportunity to add or find potential. Now, As wholesalers, what do we do? We put properties under contract that are in original or distressed condition that have an opportunity to force appreciation. So there's a potential gap there. I never feel like I'm taking my equity from a seller. I take my equity from the future buyer or from their future profit margin, right? Because right now the house is worth what it's worth in its current condition, as is cash X number of dollars. I'm going to give you the 100% of value in its current state. Now I'm going to curate that and package it and go send it, take it to somebody else who's going to be able to see the potential that's there, and I'm going to take a portion of their profit for myself.
1: That seems fair to me.
0: That's how I that's how I view wholesaling. I see it as I'm not taking profit from or equity from a seller. I'm taking it from a from a future buyer or from a, from a future seller, somebody that is going to do a project, go vertical with it, and make money on it. So I would say that as a wholesaler. Understand that. Know that, right? We are not going. See this house where I live in? You're never going to buy this house wholesale. It's not going to happen, <laughs> right? This isn't a wholesale deal. But across the road, they just knocked down a wholesale house. Really? Yeah. It's it's got a fence around it. They just knocked it down. So that's a wholesale deal. This house, not a wholesale. I bought this house from a wholesaler. This piece of land, this house that I when I bought it, I paid a seventy five thousand dollar wholesale fee on this house
1: was it worth every penny?
0: Every flipping penny. See, I love it. You can't get a half acre in this part of town very easily. So, you know, for me, it was worth it. Right. Again, um, every buyer is going to have their threshold. And, and did I kind of feel weird when I sat down at the closing table and I saw the $75,000 assignment fee? Probably not a bit of a bit of me. I have to be honest. A bit of me was like, but then I thought, yeah, I'm a big boy. First, second, the what the use I'm going to have with this house is way better than what I'm paying on an assignment fee. And I happily paid it. Happily paid it. Um, all right. So I w- a
1: piece of advice for the newbies. Yeah. Get a mentor. Mm. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things you can do in this business, especially when you're new, um, you know, is is find your tribe.
0: I agree. I agree. And, and you know, guys, I don't think she's just saying that to say, you know, sign up with me and Astro Flipping because there's so many people out there. There's so many good mentors out there. Chris Simon, for instance, he he has a mentorship. You could reach out to him. Pace Morby, one of my best friends. He's a phenomenal mentor. I, I also coach and I think I do a pretty dang good job of it. But I would agree. It's
1: important. I mean, I talked to somebody yesterday and they were like, we don't even know how to write a contract. I'm like, wow. Like, I I'm so glad you called me. <laughs> Um, And I can definitely connect you. um, But you need you need people that have done it before you so you don't end up making the same mistakes that somebody else has learned from, you know?
0: Yeah. Is that something that a title company will do is like walk you through how to write the contracts? Is that is that is that? par for the course though for a title officer or
1: no i think for i mean for me i mean that exactly what i what i did is i recommended you know your mentorship program and i said you know this is there's some people that are very experienced in the community and find somebody that's done at least 10 deals once you get in there and and buddy up and jv some stuff together
0: that's great that's a great idea i i appreciate that thank you I want to move on to, uh, Uh an interesting, an interesting (laughs) section. We're going to call title traps. And, and I, I think this is an important section because this is where you can get stuck in a deal and lose some money. All right. So, uh, one of the title traps that I know of right now is the mutual cancellation clause. So a contract that says that both buyer and seller have to agree to a cancellation in order for the earnest money to be refunded to the buyer. Now,
1: that's kind of difficult.
0: It's very difficult because if you have a seller who's mad that you canceled, they're not going to sign the cancellation. They're not going to sign that. And now all of a sudden you have to go through arbitration to get your money back.
1: Or if you're a seller and you just decide all of a sudden you don't want to sell, but the buyer's already packed up and moving in. Right. Same thing.
0: Right. So mutual cancellation is, is terrible, I, I think. I, I, I don't think that it makes sense. How do you how do you avoid that? What, is there a way can can somebody talk to their title company before they go get a contract executed and and put in verbiage in a contract that that strikes that or changes it?
1: Well, I think you can put anything you want in a contract if everybody agrees to it.
0: Got it. So, so would you say that one of the best things that somebody can do is if you want a contract to be read or enforced a certain way to go to your title company prior and
1: tell them what you're afraid of and ask them how to write, you know, the addendum and make sure that everybody agrees to it. I mean, that's just like, even on a traditional residential deal, you'd have to be dealing
0: with that. Awesome. Awesome. Now, last piece. Uh oh. Okay. It's this is something because I do a lot Sometimes of
1: JVs. he looks at me and I'm a little scared. Anybody else get
0: that vibe? <laughs> the the. <clears throat> What's next? Well, I, I'm I'm trying to understand how we can how we can make sure that we have control of title because for me, I, I love I, that. I piece. do a, I do a lot of JVs, right? Yes, you do. And so I don't get the direct title all the time because the acquisition wholesaler who got who has the deal under contract. <clears throat> excuse me they directed <coughs> <coughs> wow
1: <coughs> Uh oh. sorry guys get some water.
0: yeah i got some water um the original acquisition wholesaler that that opened up the original escrow they directed title what are some tricks that you know of to help somebody direct title
1: well i think that when it comes to directing title whoever is going to be the better negotiator is always going to come out winning, right? So, I mean, a lot of times I've got some, some folks that they'll agree to it, you know, all right, like it's the first time as a, this is the first time I've ever worked with this other investor. I'm going to let them try their title company one time and then it's not going to go so good. And so it's real easy on the next one to say, Hey, look, I tried yours. It didn't go so great. Now we're going to develop a relationship with Fidelity and uh, you're going to see the difference. Right. Um, but I think just open communication, I think talking about how, uh, great the experiences with investor transactions with our escrow officers i mean i've got a guy i had lunch with the other day and he said i've i've worked with alicia for alicia moore yes
0: hi alicia moore
1: (laughs) i've worked with her i've closed over 200 transactions with her and she's never ever dropped the ball on one thing no she's phenomenal stressed out so like if you can share those kinds of stories i think it's a lot easier and and just ask, because a lot of times they might say, I want to use this title company, but they don't really have a good reason why. And, you know, at Fidelity, we've got a lot of good reasons why people should use us. I mean, we also offer investor discounts and all kinds of other things. And, you know, having an Esther officer that's really got a relationship with you, she knows how to close your stuff, then the back end of everything goes a lot smoother too. Um, You know, some of them, they say, regardless of what part of the transaction they fall they're like i need to keep my office staff happy and the only way that they're happy is if they close with fidelity Mm. they've got a great relationship and i that's a that's an important relationship
0: i just realized that fidelity is a synonym for loyalty yes it is and that's a title turn on (laughs) isn't that strange that is strange yeah i just did you realize that i didn't yeah so hmm all right well What
1: what do you Offer, I mean, what do you tell your team? Because I know that uh, your team does fight for us.
0: Yeah, we do. We Well, we typically just say, look, we've done a lot of these transactions and you've chosen a title company that is going to give us a lot of hardship and and make this deal super hard. It would be a lot easier on all of us if we just did an addendum and move title over to Fidelity Title so that we don't run into any problems with our seller. We don't have run into any problems with our buyers. Everything will get done the way it's supposed to get done and on time. And I would say we have a seventy percent hit rate on people just saying, sure, if you if you feel that confident about your title company, it doesn't really matter to me. So it's really just about saying it and yeah. and and actually expressing your reasons why.
1: And not just like ignoring and just going with the flow, because you don't really need to go with the flow. Correct. Most of the time they're not gonna fight you if you're passionate about your
0: reason. Well, yeah, you have to have a real reason, yes. right? And and I think that's where it get that's where it becomes um, something that you actually are, can passionately fight for is like, uh, the real reason is I've, I did a deal with the title company that you're, you've got on the contract right now. And let me show you all the ways it blew up, right? Yeah. And there's nothing worse than working all that time. You know, you, say you're an acquisition wholesaler, you know, buying a list, skip tracing a list, cold calling, following up, following up, following up, finally negotiating, contracting. You get all that work done. And then all of a sudden, your title company screws the deal up for you. Like, get out of here! Like, that's the that's the worst way for a deal to unravel. Is 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 a, like another person coming into the deal and messing stuff up. And I've had title companies where they they mix up, you know. They they the assignments the assignments oh my gosh yes they and they like I've tell everybody the stories. wrong things or it's a double escrow and so they're not even supposed to disclose the second mm-hmm. file but they talk about the second file and they shouldn't be talking about the second file and it's like all of that can get yeah. really hairy right and 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 there's privacy laws and and things that you you can't talk about if that's the way that a deal is structured for instance a double escrow just so you guys know a title officer cannot talk about the second escrow.
1: They're not, a party they're not a
0: party to that file, right? So they're not allowed to say, Hey, just so you know, there's a second file here where they've, bought, they've resold this house for $50,000 more. They can't talk about that. It's not, it's, they're not a party to that transaction. There's a privacy log prohibiting them from knowing about it. Yes. And so, you know, I've had that happen to me Yes. and it's the worst. So that's one of the things, guys, one of the reasons why you want to definitely work with a seasoned title company and an invest and an investor friendly title officer. This show is fun because we also have a charity component involved in it.
1: Yes, we do. We're helping you guys make money and then we want to help you figure out great ways to give some of it back.
0: So why is charity important to you?
1: You know, charity is important to me. I grew up without a lot, um, a lot of money, a lot of stuff. And I was always kind of just told that no matter how much you have, you have something to give. And that's just kind of been instilled in me throughout my life. And I think that a lot of times you can give back to people and it ends up really helping you too. And I think legacy is important.
0: Amazing. What's one of your favorite charities?
1: One of my favorite charities. Oh, I'll have so many. Um, one of my favorite charities is a local one called the care fund. Um, and we pay rent and mortgages for families who have critically ill children. So they don't have to think about whether or not they should be in their um in the hospital with their kiddo while they're sick or worrying about their rent or mortgage. So it takes social services a few months before they can kick in and offer any kind of benefit. And, uh, we literally help people stay in their homes, um, during that time. That's really, really, um, difficult. And what's really special is during that time, your medical bills are stacking up. Everybody's telling you, you got a bunch of money, you got to pay back. And this is like the only thing that comes in and it's just truly a gift um, that they don't have to pay back. And it does give people a lot of hope during a pretty hopeless time.
0: Wow. Wow. Guys, if you have a charity that you are passionate about that you want us to highlight or feature, leave us a comment in the comment section and tell us what that charity is called and tell us why you're passionate about that charity. For me, one of my favorite charities here in Arizona is Feed My Starving Children. It's a great anywhere. one. We get to go and volunteer. My whole staff will go together and as a as a group. It's a competition, and it's a competition. We're yeah. like racing to feed to fill more bags, yeah. and it's just like a lot of fun. And we all get to like you know high five and and also put together uh care packages for families that are without. And and it's just it's a it's a good time. It's also a a, a good cause. And so, you know, for me i uh you know I, i grew up without a lot as well and we were never charity cases but i always felt like we should have been so um you know it's it's always good to be able to give back so guys we would love for you guys to help share that message and tell us what your favorite charity is in the comment now last thing dina before we wrap up i just wanted to let everybody know a little bit into the personal lives of ourselves and there's nothing more personal than your google search history so um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let you like edit it but open up your phone and tell me what the last thing you googled was
1: tell me if you do the same okay
0: that's not fair because i know what the last thing i googled was i think
1: okay okay Astroblaster. Really? Wondered, I wanted to learn what this was. I just saw your video on this yesterday. Damn.
0: Okay, so I was part of your last Google. Okay. Yeah.
1: I've been busy today. <laughs>
0: My, um, cool. Astroblaster is. Uh, you should have it if you don't already have it. It's a, a a platform that allows you to reach out to real estate agents and other wholesalers automatically if you have a whole a full time job, and uh, follow up with those conversations. Astroblaster is the bomb. But this isn't about Astro Blaster. My Google was, is wholesale legal in Louisiana? It is. is. it? It is legal, but you cannot market a property in Louisiana. You can only market your rights to a property in Louisiana. So you can only market the contract in Louisiana. You cannot market the property
1: to like you asking somebody else's deal though right? correct yeah. yeah okay all right cool. so you
0: have to market a contract so if you, in your marketing you have to say contract for sale okay and that has to be very expressly expressed, expressed. Yeah. yeah contract for sale not property for sale contract for sale and this is one of the very most more like very important parts about wholesale guys we do not sell prop we're not brokers we're not real estate agents we are selling our contractual rights or position in a contract to another investor for a fee that's it now we're going to be bringing in title officers from around the country so next episode we're going to be bringing think we
1: should tell them that we're going to make them show us their google
0: Well, we don't have to ask the, we don't have to tell the title officer that (laughs) we just tell the, don't tell the title officer to watch an episode of this. How's that? Okay. That's perfect. Okay. So what we're going to be doing every episode, guys, we're going to bring another title officer from a different state and we're going to ask them questions about the contracts in their state and any laws that may be specific or pertinent to that state. So you're going to want to tune in because many of you guys are virtually wholesaling and many of you guys are asking questions. Where is the best place for me to wholesale? That's why this show is here. This show is for investors made by an investor and a very, very important person in the title industry. And also, guys, make sure that you're using Fidelity National Title for all of your title work. Now, if people want to find out if they have an investor-friendly title office, where they are right now, how do they get a hold of you?
1: They are. I think that uh, we're going to put all that info in uh, the video. Okay. But you can just email me too. That's pretty easy. Title talk at FNF.com.
0: Titletalk at FNF.com. If you want a title company in your local area that's investor-friendly, email Titletalk at FNF.com.
1: And it's super easy to remember because you're listening to Title Talk. Title
0: Talk. Dina, is so fun. So we crushed fun. it. We'll be doing this every other Thursday, guys. So make sure you tune in, tune in again. And we're going to be doing this live next time. So we want to hear all of your comments. And again, leave us a comment, let us know all the fun stuff, and we'll see you again in a couple Thursdays.